This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Today we're joined by Ryan Kolker. Ryan is the Vice President for Innovation for the ICC, International Codes Council, and Executive Director for ANCR, the Alliance for National and Community Resilience, a national coalition working to provide communities with the tools necessary to holistically assess and improve their resilience as we face climate change. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Tell us a little more about your background and journey to the ANCR and ICC. Yeah, thanks so much and really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. I think like most folks, um, you know, there's there's some inspiration in their childhood that really sort of drives them um, into the future. And, and sort of my uh, inspiration was a seventh grade science teacher who really sort of unlocked the uh, the interest and the curiosity in um, the natural environment and just really sort of understanding the world around you um, and around me. So sort of with that, you know, led to uh, a focus on environmental policy and then really uh, sort of looking interdisciplinarily across um, sort of how various different systems work. Uh, And so, you know, through both uh, the International Code Council and the Alliance for National and Community Resilience, uh, we're really looking at uh, holistic opportunities to drive progress uh, in the world around us. So, you know, for Anchor, it's about identifying, uh, you know, the, the various different aspects of communities and really what creates uh, great places every day, but also uh, influences their resilience. And really, it, it boils down to, you know, the variety of different systems, whether that's social, organizational, infrastructural systems and sort of how they all come together. Uh, and then from, you know, sort of the International Code Council and the, the sort of role of buildings in making lives better. Again, it's all about sort of bringing systems together, uh, understanding sort of their intersection with the broader sort of community, um, but also within the buildings themselves. So thinking about sort of the building enclosure, HVAC system, life safety systems, and sort of how all, all of them come together to really support the occupants and sort of the business needs that those buildings provide. And there's a lot of conversation, a lot of different views on climate change and climate mitigation. I read recently John Holdren, former president of the American Association for Advancement of Science. Uh, He's also an energy and climate expert. He says dealing with climate change will be a combination of mitigation, adaptation and suffering. It's a question of how much we will experience of each and that will be dependent on how seriously we approach mitigation in the first instance. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think those are certainly the the three core areas. Um, you know, for a long time, we've focused a lot on the climate mitigation side of you know reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and I think that's you know certainly something that needs to continue. But I think there's also now a recognition that you know climate change is here. There are things that are already happening due to the changes in climate, and so you know adaptation uh, is certainly important. Uh, and we need to think about strategies, uh, you know, to address those changes. The suffering side, I, I mean, I think there's there's certainly potential for, 
you know, sort of suffering. I think the unfortunate thing, uh, or or maybe even the reality, uh, unfortunately, is that the suffering will tend to fall on the folks that are least uh, able to bear it. Um, you know, sort of our vulnerable populations. And so, you know, as we think about climate solutions, uh, it's really essential that that we assure that that, you know, suffering is uh, as limited as much as possible. And so, you know, thinking through our strategies and, and sort of what impact that has on vulnerable populations who, you know, often don't have, you know, the resources or the voice to engage in um, the higher level discussions that are really driving sort of the um, adaptation or mitigation strategies. So I think that's certainly something, you know, to keep in mind there. Definitely, there was a a lot of conversation around that in the IPCC sixth assessment report that's recently been released. And they're also very much urging all companies without delay to reduce their direct and indirect emissions. How are you seeing that reflected at a corporate level in the businesses and organisations you're working with? Yeah, so certainly um, we see a lot of, uh, you know, sort of pledges um, to reduce, you know, greenhouse gas emissions by, you know, name your year, 2030, 2050. There's been within, you know, the buildings industry uh, for a while now, actually some commitments to, uh, you know, support construction of high performance buildings. So I think we're, we're really starting to see, you know, some of some of the strategies, you know, sort of starting to take place, you know, within companies. Um, we're also seeing some sort of drivers from the financial markets and governments themselves. So, you know, we're, we're seeing sort of this growth of, uh, you know, stock funds with a focus on, you know, uh, reducing the investments in uh, fossil fuel companies, for instance. We're also seeing from a government level um, here in the U.S., the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, which uh, is is sort of the regulator of uh, publicly traded companies, so companies that are on on the stock exchange, and sort of what their you know disclosure requirements are. Uh, and so the SEC is actually now talking about uh, issuing a rule requiring publicly traded companies to to sort of report on uh, what their climate impacts are. Uh, and so I think that will um, drive you know additional uh, focus on these issues bring it into, you know, sort of corporate boardrooms uh, and really help uh, move the discussion forward. Uh, so I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see a lot of that. You know, I was at, uh, you know, COP26 um, in the We Mean Business Pavilion, uh, which has, you know, sort of many of the companies um, that are interested in these uh, issues. Uh, and they've made, you know, commitments towards advancing uh, achievement of these goals. And so, I think the next steps is really, you know, sort of holding these companies, you know, to those strategies and making sure that they're actually achieving, you know, what they've set out to achieve. A recent McKenzie report solving the net zero equation claims there are nine requirements to achieving net zero, the first being technology, innovation and deployment. How market ready are the technologies needed to get to net zero in your view? I think we already know sort of what the technologies are um, that are really going to help us uh, advance forward. Uh, thinking of things like energy storage systems, batteries, you know, that will support uh, the advancement towards uh, zero energy buildings, you know, electrification of vehicles, even in uh, the industrial sector. You know, I think there are strategies around um, energy efficiency. 
you know, uh, folks talk about, you know, carbon capture and sequestration. I think that's, you know, certainly an important part, um, but I think it's not going to be the uh, sort of silver silver bullet to, to sort of get us out of this. So I think there's going to be a whole lot of, um, you know, sort of various different technologies that are really going to drive uh, us to achieving, uh, you know, our goals. Are there other priorities in your view that are also as important as technology? Yeah, I mean, you know, folks like to, to sort of point to um, technology as a solution, and it's certainly, you know, sort of a part. But I think the major sort of challenge or major area that we really need to focus on is the policy side. I think it's pretty easy to say, you know, technology is going to get us out of this. But, um, you know, without the, the sort of policies in place uh, to really encourage folks to adopt it, to use it, um, you know, to, to address some of those challenges that I mentioned relative to vulnerable populations, um, I think having, you know, sort of the real policy in place, uh, the social change necessary, uh, I think is really um, going to be, a, you know, a big challenge, but really where, um, you know, we need to focus a lot of attention. So from a technology perspective, um, obviously, there's gaps in policy still to be identified, but how about technology? Are you seeing any gaps still needing to be addressed? You know, I, I think there's always opportunities to uh, improve um, technology. Um, you know, I mentioned energy storage. I think that's one where we will see, you know, an increase in, uh, you know, sort of uh, efficiency of, you know, that storage and, and the release of the energy that it's storing. Uh, I think there's some uh, real opportunities to look at um, sort of the materials necessary for, you know, those energy storage systems. You know, a lot of those are, um, you know, rare earth materials that um, only are available in, in certain locations. And so identifying, you know, sort of strategies to, you know, have, have sort of different uh, battery or storage technologies um, that use less of those materials. I think there's also uh, some opportunities uh, to think about the various different uh, materials that we used within the building space. So we rely a lot on um, concrete and steel, um, which do have um, potentially you know, sort of large uh, greenhouse gas emission um, associated with them. Um, so I think we're seeing you know, sort of a lot of interest in uh, reducing the carbon impacts of those materials. Um, so I think that's certainly another area um, where technology uh, can be, you know, useful, um, you know, either reducing the impacts of those specific materials or, you know, finding alternative materials that perform uh, similarly and, and can sort of provide that function. Uh, so I think there are, you know, certainly some gaps, um, but, you know, there are some, some great folks that are working on those issues. What are the critical elements to successfully deploying technologies that can support net zero from your perspective? Yeah, so I, I think it's really a combination of a variety of different things. So um, certainly looking at, uh, in the building sector, the opportunity to create the, the most efficient buildings possible, uh, and then offsetting whatever energy uh, that you can't uh, sort of reduce um, with renewables. Um, and so, you know, also energy storage, you know, comes into that as well, um, sort of thinking about, um, you know, when uh, renewable energy is uh, generated, um, you know, it's not uh, as predictable as uh, just sort of plugging into the grid uh, with, um, you know, sort of the existing power plants. And so, you know, being able to leverage, uh, you know, technologies like energy storage, uh, advancing some of the communications uh, between buildings and, and grids of really understanding sort of when energy is, is best used, um, 
whether that's you know due to pricing or available of renewables. Um, so I think it's really sort of around um, the the integration of you know a wide variety of uh, different technologies and solutions. Um, you know we're even seeing some um, increased use of uh, sort of natural uh, solutions. So you know sort of thinking about um, natural ventilation, uh, you know placement of um, you know trees, um, you know a, a wide variety of different things that that really need to come together to to really address. Uh, the performance of buildings. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. Vinzero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit vinzero.com to find out more. For companies that are yet to formalize their own net zero policies, where is the best place to start? Yeah, so I, I think there's certainly a, a few things that um, folks could do. I mean, certainly take a look at, um, you know, sort of other companies within your sector, uh, you know, see what they're doing. Um, also, sort of just get up to speed on um, sort of what the opportunities are. I think, uh, you know, one of the first things uh, that a company should really do is, is sort of assess, you know, where they are currently. Um, you know, what are the uh, sort of business practices or sort of key components of uh, the company that, uh, you know, really impact uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, thinking about uh, transportation, thinking about buildings, uh, thinking about the supply chain, you know, what are uh, the companies that you rely on uh, doing in this space uh, and how can they contribute to your goals? Uh, and then again, you know, sort of looking up on, you know, whose supply chain are you in uh, and really understanding sort of what what their goals are. Um, so I think, you know, first is is really sort of understanding the landscape and then uh, second is really understanding, you know, sort of your individual uh, company or, or business practices and sort of what their uh, contributions are. Um, I think one of the, um, you know, sort of key phrases uh, that, that a lot of folks use is um, uh, you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, and so, you know, sort of having that measurement in place uh, and really understanding, uh, you know, sort of where you're starting from, uh, I think is, is really a key first step. And I think you shared with me earlier that you've seen some creativity come to play with organizations looking at how they cluster people together. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about sort of um, improving energy efficiency in buildings and, you know, making the most effective use of uh, air conditioning or heat, um, we've seen some companies uh, actually survey uh, their employees and figure out sort of what is their um, ideal temperature level. Um, and so, you know, thinking about sort of how we use um, HVAC, if we can sort of cluster folks who have sort of similar needs um, together, you know, we don't get the challenge of, you know, my office is too hot, my office is too cold, we, um, you know, may overheat or overcool, um, but really finding sort of that ideal, um, you know, temperature for occupants uh, and being able to sort of plan accordingly. So it's, yeah, it's interesting strategies uh, like that, you know, being creative, um, sort of thinking about um, both the, the people, but also sort of the opportunities um, that, that, you know, those sorts of strategies provide uh, to, you know, enhance 
um, energy efficiency. So what are some of the other interesting innovations you're seeing now in the sustainability space in terms of ads built? Yeah, so thinking about sort of at uh, the building level, there's some really great examples of um, zero energy buildings. So uh, buildings that, you know, produce as much energy on site uh, as they use. Uh, and so, you know, one really great example is uh, the Bullet Center in Seattle. Uh, so it's a office building uh, where they've taken, you know, the, the strategies around um, zero energy buildings uh, seriously. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, a large uh, solar array on the roof. Uh, but then also really engaging occupants in um, sort of their their responsibilities and roles in you know helping the building achieve uh, its zero energy building goals. So you know things like um, operable windows, um, so you can get sort of that natural ventilation uh, when <laughs> when the uh, outdoor uh, environment uh, sort of suits that. And I think one of the really cool things is um, you know sort of uh, the the building actually signals. Uh, the occupants of, you know, now's a good time to open the windows or now's a good time to close the windows, um, those sorts of things, um, you know, taking advantage of um, natural ventilation, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, but they also have done some really neat things uh, relative to, to water use uh, within the building. Um, so compostable toilets. Um, I think they also have a, a system that actually takes heat off of uh, sewer pipes uh, and, and sort of brings that uh, as, as a heating element uh, to the building. Um, so really exciting things like that. And you really present sort of the opportunity um, that we do have, you know, added individual building scale uh, to really reduce the impacts. I think moving up from uh, sort of the building scale, um, the real opportunities at the community level as well. Um, you've seen this concept of the 15-minute city uh, sort of come up. And it's really about thinking uh, through, you know, what are the, the core elements, uh, you know, of a community, sort of what, what allows folks to uh, sort of be uh, part of that community and assure that they have sort of all of the uh, resources they need. And so thinking about, you know, sort of uh, within 15 minutes, you know, how can someone get to, um, you know, the, the supermarket, uh, schools, jobs, uh, you know, doctor's office, um, and, and that really supports both efficiency, you know, at the building level, uh, but also thinking about things like transportation. Um, you know, if you don't need to go sort of long distances, uh, you can think about sort of various different modes of, uh, you know, transportation, um, you know, whether that's, you know, scooters and bicycles up to, uh, you know, sort of electric buses uh, and those sorts of things. And so uh, it really helps support, you know, the efficiency of the community at large. Uh, but it also helps enhance some of the social resilience of the community as well. And so, you know, if you think about sort of a 15 minute radius um, and, you know, sort of your your neighbors are all uh, sort of part of that community, it really builds sort of co social cohesion as well, uh, which I think is some of the things that we're uh, maybe losing in uh, some of our urban environments. So I think it really provides an opportunity um, to think both on the social uh, and environmental side of these sorts of issues. Do you think we'll start to see more examples of adaptive reuse for existing buildings that have reached end of life as well? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we we may focus a lot on um, sort of new construction as an opportunity to, to address um, the climate challenges. 
but I think recognizing that uh, the vast majority of the buildings that we have uh, today into the future already exist. Uh, so, you know, in, in the U.S. and I think uh, pretty much in uh, many developed countries, you know, only about one to two percent of the building stock uh, is is new uh, every year. Uh, and so if we're thinking about sort of our climate goals, um, you know, we need to address uh, existing buildings. And so, you know, thinking about how to uh, sort of best either retrofit or repurpose uh, those existing buildings uh, to really take advantage of, you know, the, the energy, the materials that are already there, uh, I think is a huge example. So uh, we're certainly seeing a lot of interest in uh, transitioning, you know, warehouse space. Uh, into loft apartments, for instance, uh, or, uh, you know, tech uh, campuses. Uh, and I think it really provides, you know, a, a neat character, you know, to the space. It's not uh, sort of your, your cookie cutter or average, you know, type of space. Uh, and so there's, you know, some nuances and some real, you know, sort of character. Uh, so I think it provides, you know, a great opportunity, uh, you know, to, to sort of reuse uh, the buildings and materials, you know, that we've already put in place. Well, we know that climate has already started to change. We're already feeling the impacts and seeing more extreme weather events around the world. You speak about the importance of climate adaptation in many of your talks. So what does it mean for the building industry as a whole? Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned um, at the beginning, I think there are opportunities and needs for both adaptation um, and mitigation strategies. Uh, and the building buildings industry, uh, the built environment is, is really key to that. Um, you know, we rely on, uh, you know, buildings and infrastructure to protect us from uh, hazards. And I think, you know, climate uh, change certainly uh, maybe changes the, the dynamic of what those hazards are. So uh, I think we, we all recognize that um, the climate is changing and it's going to deliver uh, hazard events in uh, places we, we may not have expected them previously or, um, you know, more extreme or more frequent. And so really assuring that, you know, the built environment, uh, you know, sort of uh, goes along as those uh, different hazards uh, occur. So, you know, if we're building a building today and expect it to last, you know, 50 to 100 years, what are the hazards that that building is going to face, you know, over those 50 or 100 years? And so, you know, sort of recognizing that, um, you know, we're going to see um, changes or, or may not be certain on, you know, sort of what those specific changes are going to be at a specific location. Uh, and so that does present, you know, some challenges uh, for the buildings industry. But, um, you know, ICC is working with um, a few different uh, codes and standards development organizations uh, in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand uh, to look at sort of what are the approaches to build in that adaptability. Uh, so looking at things like uh, building codes, uh, which, you know, is, is sort of the basis for understanding uh, or providing those minimum uh, criteria, uh, how do we assure that they continue to adapt uh, to address, you know, that changing climate? And so you're sort of thinking through the different strategies of, um, you know, how do we use climate data today uh, to address those issues? Uh, and how can we effectively use um, climate data into the future? Uh, and so ultimately, sort of that effort will lead to uh, a global resiliency uh, guideline uh, which will provide that framework or, or those uh, principles that will really, you know, sort of drive the industry, uh, code developers and others to really achieving those goals. 
What trends are you starting to see in relation to lower emission materials being used for buildings and infrastructure? I know you touched on it a little earlier, but could we just perhaps go back to that and look at some more of them? So I think we're certainly um, seeing a lot of attention on um, concrete and steel, uh, looking for opportunities to um, reduce the emissions you know, associated with those materials, which are you know, pretty significant and uh, you know, significant material in the built environment. Uh, we're also now seeing a uh, enhanced use of um, wood products. Uh, so just uh, within the last few years, uh, this concept of uh, mass timber or tall timber uh, buildings uh, has grown. Uh, so typically, you know, you would only see sort of wood uh, structures in low rise buildings. Um, but now we're seeing sort of higher uh, or taller buildings uh, using wood uh, really as an opportunity. I think one to get back to um, some of the sort of natural materials, uh, but really also recognizing the um, carbon sequestration that happens, uh, you know, with wood, um, you know, really embodying um, or, or, you know, sort of pulling the. Uh, you know, carbon um, from the atmosphere and, and sort of using that uh, for the long term um, in buildings. Um, so I think those are, are certainly, um, you know, some exciting areas. I think in general, we're also seeing this look at um, just understanding the environmental and, and carbon impacts of uh, the materials we use. Um, and so, you know, this growth of uh, um, uh, uh, environmental product declarations, you know, sort of being able to understand sort of what are the car carbon impacts um, and being able to, to sort of measure and, and talk effectively uh, and really understand sort of across the entire sort of suite of uh, products or materials, you know, we use in our built environment for what are the impacts of each of them. And that can really help us sort of make the make the choices uh, that meet our, our uh, performance and climate goals. So you have a background that includes environmental policy. What policies do you believe we will see to govern and regulate the changes required for climate mitigation in the future? So I, I think we'll see a combination of um, regulation and incentives. Um, you know, I, I think we'll um, continue to see, um, you know, sort of changes within building codes, both on um, the energy efficiency side um, and on uh, the materials side. Um, to, you know, sort of enhance the uh, performance uh, and reduce the environmental impact of uh, the materials we use. Um, you know, I mentioned the um, Securities and Exchange Commission. So, you know, sort of more reporting on, uh, you know, sort of corporations um, and businesses and sort of what their impacts are. Um, but I also think we'll see, you know, a lot of um, incentives uh, come up really to help drive folks for, instance, you know, transition to um, electric vehicles. I think we'll see, you know, sort of, sort of increased, um, you know, incentive programs, rebates, tax credits, um, you know, even government investments in, uh, you know, things like uh, vehicle charging networks uh, can be, you know, sort of an, a form of incentive. Um, and so, you know, I think between uh, the combination of regulation and incentive, I think we can get there. Uh, I think, you know, sort of, as I mentioned uh, up front, the um, the sort of social change or um, sort of need to, to drive towards these things, I think is going to be sort of the interesting challenge, uh, you know, sort of who steps up uh, to help drive uh, the progress forward. Um, I think another sort of important aspect, you know, of the policy discussion um, is, again, you know, sort of what I, what I mentioned at the beginning of, you know, sort of understanding how policies will impact um, vulnerable populations. And so, you know, thinking about some of the 
the strategies that folks have talked about, you know, sort of whether that's uh, a carbon tax uh, or, you know, sort of providing, um, you know, limits on uh, energy use and, and sort of uh, trade-offs. Uh, and so thinking about sort of how do we, you know, leverage, uh, you know, maybe the, um, the revenue, you know, from a carbon tax to help support uh, vulnerable populations, um, you know, enhance their efficiency, uh, supporting things like affordable housing uh, and assuring that they're, you know, as efficient as possible. Uh, and so, you know, really thinking across, you know, sort of uh, policy uh, from a regulatory side, incentives, and then, um, you know, sort of the impacts on, uh, you know, various elements of society. So when you think future, where do you see the built industry will gain the biggest wins in the net zero achievement? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, recognizing that uh, buildings are, you know, a significant portion of, um, you know, business expenses, um, they may not be sort of on the, the radar of, you know, folks in the C-suite, but uh, being able to, to sort of um, highlight the, the important role of buildings, I think will help drive progress. Um, I think we'll see um, an increased use in uh, zero energy buildings, which I think is, is really exciting. Um, I think that will, you know, drive a couple different things. I mean, having, um, you know, sort of the demonstration that that these things are possible, um, that they are cost effective, um, uh, is great. But I think it'll also inspire the the next generation of folks um, to enter the industry to really see uh, the cool things and technologies uh, that we can use to really achieve uh, the goals that we have, you know, as a society, uh, as uh, a, an economy, as a business. Uh, and really help us drive forward to to meet the needs that uh, you know, frankly, we need to meet uh, to continue sort of as a as a civilization. So uh, I think it's really important, and and certainly um, you know, uh, commend Vinzero for uh, you know, sort of having that conversation um, and encouraging others to to think about these sorts of things. Absolutely, and and look, we're incredibly proud to be working with ICC and the ANCR to spread the word. So I think it's you know, there's a lot of important conversation that needs to be had, and this is definitely just the start of that. I mean, in closing, what would your advice be to the companies that are yet to engage fully in the change required? How do we inspire them to get moving? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really an important question. Um, you know, a couple things. I think first, um, you know, look to look to your customers. What are your customers um, expecting? Um, what are your employees expecting? Um, you know, what are what is the sort of community that you serve uh, expecting? And I think um, that will will certainly help to um, drive the conversation. But also, you know, look back at uh, you know sort of what are um, your contributions or opportunities in this space. I think one uh, you know sort of key thing that maybe doesn't get a lot of attention is you know sort of addressing these climate issues you know opens up a whole new sort of economy for you know new jobs uh, new activities new products uh, to really help support these initiatives so uh, certainly an exciting time and uh, no shortage of, of opportunities Ryan it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the program I know we'll have you back again and uh, we'll be talking about how to think future with you again in the future very soon thank you very much Great, appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. Vinzero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, 
we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our Vinzero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.